Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. This is the Everything F1 podcast. Uh, we are ready to discuss the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, before we get into it all, I uh, just want to talk about our fabulous sponsors, the Raceworks.com. Uh, they have every kind of merch from Formula One, uh, from your teams from McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari. They ship worldwide uh, and usually get it within a few days. Uh, we have had a friend of the podcast who ordered a Ferrari hat in somewhere in America, and within about three or four days, it arrived these days. And also, if you use the code EF1, you get 10% off all stock throughout the website, including sale items. So good to get your Christmas stocking sorted with this year's merch. So let's get into it. And tonight we have uh, Hamish. Hello, Hamish. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, how's your How's your week been since since the last Grand Prix? What's been happening? Yeah, good. A bit more quiet for me, which is nice. I'll get a bit of a break, but yeah, not not a huge amount. Write a few articles, obviously, for everything F1. But yeah, home this weekend, uh, seeing the parents. So trying to make them watch the F1 with me. They've just got a new dog. So I was trying to make that learn the rules of F1, but it, it seemed to pay not much attention. Well, so, some of the shielding decisions maybe have been made by a dog. So maybe he could pass that <laughs> on to Maybe that's a bit more controversial for off-season reviews. And you're you're embracing your inner Bond villain with the look on the Zoom call. Yeah, it's looking good. I need a spinny chair and I'm sorted. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a regular. It's Kiara. How are you? How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good as well. Thank you. Awesome. What's been happening the last week? Quite one for yourself. Have you been busy? I've been busy. I was able to hand in my bachelor's research proposal just in the nick of time. So I'm pretty happy about that. And going into Monday, a bit more stress-free now. Nice. Well, that's they give you the time. You might as well use it all. Uh, as you can probably tell, I'm Coops. I'm generally a panelist and like to talk rubbish. We usually have someone else recording the doing the presenting duties, but uh, it falls on me. Uh, so probably won't be as good as anyone else's. But hey ho, you get what you get. And so, before we go on, I want to try something a bit different. So, Hamish, one word to describe the Brazilian Grand Prix. Ooh, one word. I'll go with. <laughs> I want to say chaotic. I'll go with that. Go on. Okay, Kiara. Nuts. I'm going to go with nuts. Yeah, pretty much the same vein. Yeah. I'm going to say Alonso. Just. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So let's start at the start. Who would have thought starting at the start? So the start of the race, we had a bit of an incident. So uh, Kiara, you want to run it through us, run it, run it by us, what happened? And we can break it down a wee bit from there. Well, during the formation lab, Charles Leclerc collided with the wall <laughs> there's no other way to put it apparently there was a hydraulics issue as far as i heard but yeah he was not able to start at the race for me i just thought leclerc had leclerc it and done something strange because <laughs> of the way he was reacting in the cockpit of the car there and then pretty quickly it came out there was some sort of mechanical thing he lost power steering reacting it was all she wrote then we go on to the actual start finally and Hamish, what happened there? What do you think happened there? What was what went on in that one? 
Well, it was, it was a fairly clean start from from at the front of the grid. But unfortunately, it's just the way of Brazil and the fact that it very much is a bottleneck and it just thins as you go into the center S's. And you had Albon Trigger on the outside of a has, which then got sandwiched. I, I believe it was Magnussen, who then got sandwiched between Albon and Hulkenberg. Tried to break to get out of it and just hit the wheel of Albon, sent him spinning, who then... Caused a bit of chaos, hitting Hulkenberg, who then hit Piastri, sending a wheel loose, which then eventually hit Daniel Ricciardo as he came down. So an absolute, it was, it seemed like a hard one to get through if you were behind that. But we saw some impressive driving, kind of had a bit of a rough one, but he managed to avoid it, unlike he managed to avoid Alonso earlier in the weekend. But yeah, obviously the red flag was brought out. We saw chaos of who was actually in the race. And uh, yeah, from there, I'm sure someone else can take it. Yeah, I think you I think you kinda of hit the nail on the head there. It was pretty much one of those Brazilian Grand Prix starts. Uh, I don't think the stewards took long to decide they weren't going to do anything with it. It was three into one don't go and everything else happened. I was a bit angry, but I think uh, Chiara I didn't realise that Piastri was out until I looked at the replay after I'd heard. Uh, it was a bit annoying there, but you couldn't really fall in there. It ruined his race. Hey, Ricardo as well, getting hit with some debris. Uh, mm. Couldn't really go much worse for those two, could it, really? No, definitely. You felt I felt really sorry for Ricardo because he had shown good pace. He was frustrated by the sprint race just because he got caught up in the constant DRS chains we kept seeing across across the weekend and he just missed out points and it, it really shows that time might be able to although he started quite far down the grid might be able to challenge for points especially as we saw some of the teams we thought would be doing really well this weekend like Mercedes struggling a lot more so it was really unfortunate for him especially when he was trying to keep on the bounce of of Mexico trying to keep that kind of motivation and the confidence he had going because I feel like Ricardo is one of his drivers which he he, he if, it, if he knock his confidence, it can continue on. And he, so I feel like for him, it was an unfortunate race. But there's a lot to take away. He seemed to have a bit of pace at the back. Although Piastri seemed to still have damage, he finished ahead of him. So he clearly had pace today. So it's unfortunate for him, but I'm sure there were some takeaways he can drive on to Las Vegas, which obviously he's going to be very excited for and we're all excited to see him back on the grid for. I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly better pace is to know the managed to finish ninth. And he seemed to be pretty on merit, even though there was quite a bit of shenanigans. So... The second start started, wasn't really any shenanigans, a couple of lockups here and there. So I think we'll go back to a more traditional way of looking at it. So Verstappen at the front, we'll get him out of the way. Chiara, anything really to say about Verstappen and what he did? As per usual, Verstappen just goes in and does what he needs to do for Red Bull and for himself. At this point, there's nothing much to say other than he's a beast and... They're going to keep him for as long as they can and for as long as the car is amazing. Like, there's, well, to be honest, there was a short interview in Sky Germany and Max was asked if something or someone could ruin his race in Brazil. And the only thing that he said was that Lando would give him a run for his money, which was really close at one point. Like that battle between Lando and Max was very interesting to watch. And I was actually having fun with that. And there was moments where you'd think that Lando could overtake him. And Lando was P1 for a couple laps until Max came back in and took that from him. But other than that, it was very, it was a good race, to be honest. This was fun. This was a fun race to watch Max for me. And I'm normally not a fan of Max. Hamish, do you have anything further to say about Verstappen and the domination that continues. 
I mean, so I want to start with on if if anyone was a listener on Tuesday, I made a really bold prediction that Max and Hamilton would crash each other out and no one win the race. And although Hamilton seemed to be MIA for for this entire weekend, I was. When I saw Norris go for the move of Stappen, I had this moment of, I was so close to being, like, I genuinely thought I might be correct in my judgment. And unfortunately, I wasn't, and Max did win. But um, that definitely got me excited. And I think it was good to see Max challenged. He he just proved once again that even when under pressure, he knows how to handle it. And Norris was not slow. He was not a slouch. But every time Norris put a lap time in, he was just able to answer it directly back. And he's proven once again why he's a three-time world champion and how dominant he is. I mean, for me, the, the the takeaway I have is he broke a record, which is 52 years old this weekend, which is Ascari's most win percentage in F1. And to break a record that's 50... When you, when you break a record that's Vettel, that's 10 years old, that's one thing. But break a record that no one's done, Schumacher, Vettel, Hamilton, you name a dominant driver, and no one's done it in 52 years, that's that's a feat, I think, that should be recognised. And it doesn't look like it's ending here. He's probably going to lay down a record which might take another 52 years to break if F1 has a long enough history to do that. So, yeah, really strong weekend for Verstappen. And you can't... I mean, on some ways, the one word you could describe it, if you were going to describe Vettel, sorry, Verstappen, is unbreakable because he seems that way right now. He certainly does seem very relaxed going into any weekends. There's not a lot of pressure. I mean, yes, just now he's wrapped up the championships. He's done what he needs to do. But even before that, and he was racing for the championship, he was very relaxed. Personally, I would have loved... I think if Norris got past him earlier, I think that would have been different because Norris would have been able to control the race, control the pace of it. Uh, but as you saw, once he got that wee within maybe half a second... And he got almost close, almost past them. Verstappen went, oh, no, we're not doing that. And then the next thing, two laps later, he was two and a half seconds ahead. So, like, okay, then. never mind. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on to Norris. Uh, as you can tell, there's a few of us on this podcast. We're not so secret McLaren fans. I am one of them. <laughs> Norris is doing exactly what he needs to do. Uh, this bride made talk that was on commentary needs to stop because look, look at where they were at the start of the season to look where they are now. And there's no one else that's going to challenge Verstappen, so that he's not really a bridesmaid in in, in the, the term. It's I don't think it's a very fair. It's kind of minimising what McLaren have done this year. So I'll fling it over to you, Hamish Norris. What do you think of this weekend for Lando in this race? Yeah, I mean, I think he's just stepped up another level. I think he's. I think Piastri's really been a helpful teammate for him because I feel like we can't. Ricardo wasn't able to push him, but Piastri's kind of in the last few races really pushed him. You feel like that's now made him kind of push himself even further. And you're starting to see someone who in a faster car could challenge Max and potentially be a championship contender. That's what I felt this week. Disappointed himself, which says enough about where he's at mentally, that he really feels that he could be getting his first win and challenging Max properly. Uh, And he couldn't have done much more. This weekend, I don't think. I think he was really strong. He was unlucky in a sprint, I felt. And yeah, he, he was really strong in the race, yeah. Hey, Kiara, what do you think of Norris at the race this weekend? I have to agree with Hamish. I think during the sprint race, I was quite upset and that was just unlucky for him. But he managed to pull through during the race. And funny enough, I actually changed my predictions halfway through and I said Lando could end up either P2 or P3. Who knows? Because I just didn't think that Aston Martin would have that pace or he he just wants to win. He wants to do good and he constantly wants to improve and is looking for better ways to do that. So I think with Lando, he has matured 
over the seasons that he's been in F1. And I think that's a development that I'm looking forward to seeing get better also for next season. Because if he doesn't win in Las Vegas or in Abu Dhabi, then definitely he will get his first win in 2024. Yeah. Uh, well, well, while we're on McLaren, actually, we'll touch on Piastri. Not a lot to say. We kind of touched on it at the start. Uh, it would have been nice to see with the pace of the McLarens what Piastri could have done. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he was an innocent bystander. I think it was Hulk's car that slid across and took the rear end. And because he was in the pitch before the the safety car lap, he ended up a lap down. They did get it repaired, but he finished two laps down and lasted the classified. Uh, don't think there's really much to really touch on with Piastri. I just thought it would be nice to just mention him. He's not had a bad season, to be honest, as a rookie. Very much a talent will go far in Formula One. I think anything else in the UK, any of the two years want to add on to Oscar this weekend or in general? Yeah, I think he's, I think with Oscar, he has some really strong races, but I think more recently, in, in especially in the last two races, I've kind of just been reminded a little bit that he is still a rookie, that he's clearly got pace. His race craft needs a lot of work. We've seen it earlier in the season. Japan was a good example of that for when Norris overtook him fair and square and was much quicker he's got a lot to learn I think that's still clear he was unfortunate in the first race but overall I think it was still a weak weekend for him he wasn't really there in the sprint he was a bit slow I think without the incident he probably would have finished in front of both Mercedes and maybe around signs but I think he was just a bit off pace this weekend to be honest with you from Norris so yeah but again he, he was unfortunate with with the crash and he definitely would score points today so yeah Piara, anything else to add about Oscar uh, this weekend? Oh, no, I completely agree that he was just the innocent bystander. I think Oscar is always calm and collected, and I think he has a clear head going into races, but there's just things in motorsport that can't be avoided, and if he gets stuck in that collision where Magnussen just rear-ended him, then there's really not much you can do. You can see that the car still had problems, even though they tried to repair it during the red flag. So... I hope he has a bit more luck in Las Vegas, which I think is a far less challenging track than the Interlagos. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, Interlagos is notoriously difficult and if you get a wounded car, you're not going to go very far. Uh, okay, so we're going into the next the next classified runner was Fernando Alonso. So we'll just do both Aston Martins. So before we talk about Alonso, because we've got a lot to say... <laughs> We're going, to, we're going to talk about Stroll. So Lance has not had a great year, been very much in the shadow of Alonso over the past, uh, most of this season. He's had a few moments pushing his uh, personal trainer aside when he was in a bit of a huff a few races ago. FIA gave him a reprimand uh, and quietly got on about it today. Uh, Kiara, I'll go to you first. What do you want to say or have to say about Lance this weekend or even this race? I have to say, when I saw that Lance qualified P3... I was I was very surprised because for me that was just dumb luck considering that qualifying did have to be cut short because of the weather. And I went into Sunday knowing, okay, Aston Martin, if anyone will have the better pace, it's going to be Alonso and not Lance. But I feel like Lance actually held his own. Even though he was unlucky at that start, I thought he still did good and that's far better than what he's been showing us the the past few races in general so I think this week he was a bit more relaxed I think he's starting to understand why he's still in Formula One hopefully this performance continues on 
to Las Vegas and to Abu Dhabi so that he can finish the season in somewhat a strong and show that improvement. But I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just being delusional as well. Hey, Mish, what do you think of Lance's performance tonight? I feel like the whole weekend for for I'll start again. I think I feel like for the whole weekend we've kind of seen like a resurgence of drivers. We kind of have been slamming a bit harshly for their performances, and I felt like Stroll really was able to come through and show he's he's still got a bit of pace in him at least. Again, he struggled in a sprint shootout qualifying. He, he finished sixteenth there. So after the first qualifying, I I did presume that was a bit of luck, but he, he performed really well. And you said it a minute ago in the way that it's kind of been over by Alonso it's a shame that in the race he seemed to be once again it was shadowed by Alonso because it was a really strong result and he deserves recognition for that performance I feel like he's one of those drivers that is a that his he, he performs well at certain tracks he seems to be very strong in certain areas and weaker at others so hopefully he can continue to Las Vegas maybe the unknown will help him but yeah he's one of those drivers I think time will tell if this is a one-off kind of performance or if we'll see this again yeah, I think personally for myself, I think the problem that Stroll has is he just is not consistent enough. And I think that is a big base like this this weekend gets fifth. He's relatively comparable to Alonso doing really well in the race. And then maybe your next couple of races, he's nowhere to be found, qualifies in 16th, 17th, and then Alonso's in the top 10. And he just doesn't seem to, he's, he seems to always struggle to keep it consistent or re- relatively consistent. Because it's very up and down with him. But it was nice. It was nice to see that a lot. He was. It wasn't huffing and puffing in pre-word interviews this weekend. And we went out there with uh, the upgrades to the car, and uh, it done really well. So, moving on from Stroll, my driver of the day is the old dog himself, Fernando Hamish. We'll go to you first now. Complete disclosure: I was taking my son back home to his mum, and I had to listen to the last few laps on the radio. So I didn't get the full experience. Although the BBC radio are really good describing things, I'm sure it would have been a lot better if I'd saw myself. So Hamish, firstly, let's talk about the last couple of laps and then we'll go back to the, the general battle with, 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 with Perez. What, what, what happened? What was your take? I just think of Fernando is just one of the most intelligent drivers everyone's ever seen. His way he's able to control control whatever he's doing so well. He knew exactly how to race that and keep that position. And although he said once Perez were a turkey, thought he lost position and whatever, he, he drove perfectly down to the S's to retake the position. So, yeah, it was really beautiful driving to keep Perez behind him. Yeah, I mean, just flawless, I guess. Yeah, what did you make of it? I actually thought Alonso did really well. I have to agree with Hamish that he's a very intelligent driver and I think that comes with the experience that he has in Formula One. I enjoyed watching him today and for me that was just, I think that Alonso needed that for his own confidence knowing that he could still do that. With he, he knows what the car can do and I think he's very capable of always getting the best out of it even though they might not always place high up or not get that podium. They He always knows what to do and... Yeah, I think he keeps his head calm as well. And I think that's very, very important because that allows him to think properly with his own strategy. Yeah, it was uh, was some drive from him. And yeah, I agree with both your points there. And when it comes to his intelligence, I think there was a moment, I think it was the Australian Grand Prix that something happened. And he came on the radio and actually told his engineer the, the, the regulations. Like he knew as soon as it happened, he just he came on and while driving the car, but that, that he broke that rule. I think it was Martin Brundle that picked it up on, like, how intelligent is that man that something happens? He went, oh, no, he's broke the rule there. That has to be this. And the engineer's like, oh, yeah, I think you're right. While racing his Formula One car, and what he did 
it's back to the year, uh, I can't remember the year, uh, when he raced Hamilton in Hungary and the defensive driving yeah. he'd done around... 2007. Uh, uh, no, I think it was uh, later than that. It was a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. Yeah, but he, he kept him behind. Oh, sorry, from... I thought you meant yeah. it stopped. Yeah, so it was 2021, wasn't it? Um, yeah, was that when the Ocon yeah. one? I think yeah. that, that year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. And again, the driving he took there, and he dedicated the one, the one, I wish, the third place to everybody at the factory. He highlighted the last couple of months haven't been great. I'm sure the F1 paddock actual Bond villain, which is Lawrence Stroll, has had some bad words to say. Had some moments that man is scary. I watched the day, the Drive to Survive episode, but he walked in and was like, "I've got you've got me for half an hour." <laughs> Can you oh, I remember that. That yeah. was really scary. I was. I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> I was trying to find notes to tell him something. I was watching the telly. Could you imagine what he's like in a bad mood? But uh, an amazing drive. Perez done. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on Perez, but he done what he could. And to highlight, actually, to highlight what you said there about intelligence, I was listening to, they had they, they spoke to him on the uh, BBC radio coverage, and he said that he saw Perez lock up, go into turn one, and he instantly knew I'll get him at turn four. So he's four, he's half a lap in front. The minute he went he went wide and locked up ever so slightly at turn one when he repassed, to, to, he planned how to repass him four corners in front of uh I don't think you're ever going to see someone quite as intelligent as Alonso behind the wheel. I don't. Th- I think he's more intelligent than even Verstappen and Hamilton in terms of racecraft and what he does for that car. So yeah. in my head, he's a five-time world champion, and I know he's not technically, but I mean the fact that he was able to challenge for Vettel in that Ferrari was phenomenal itself. And he's one of these drivers that I honestly think he should be up there with the greats in the sense of how we look at him. So mm-hmm. I think he has had a fabulous career, and I, I think he. <laughs> He's one of those drivers that if you give him your adoration and everything, he will do everything he can to perform well for you. And I think any other driver for Aston Martin, that including Vettel last year, if you put them in that car, he was the only one that was going to get that podium. And you could tell by the team's reaction that that result meant everything and how it can boost the confidence after so many bad results going into 2024 to be back up there. Because the truth is that we have such a bad run of form. You need results like that to have confidence going to next year that you can fight these cars that you're currently up against. Otherwise, it can all fall apart so quickly, especially when you're fighting all these rumours. I felt like Alonso really put kind of, well, shut up the media and kind of went, I'm not leaving Aston. This team's good enough. And even if we are getting sold, we're here to stay. And I think that was really important for the team today. Yeah, he was actually touching on those rumours. He was quite in fighting talk when he came out and said that it wasn't the journalists that were making these rumours up, it was the people away from the situation and there'll be consequences. He was quite forthright in responding to those rumours. And for anyone who doesn't know, rumours came out after the last race that there was talk that he might be heading over to Red Bull. There was a a, a journalist in Formula it's based that goes to it's got access to the paddock, I should say, who said that he heard this rumour but he wouldn't elaborate and everybody started latching on to it and kind of taking it up a wee bit. Because he never did. I don't think he ever elaborated on what he'd heard. But there was rumour that Alonso was then in the frame for moving maybe to heading over to Red Bull and Perez was going somewhere else and it was very gossipy. Yeah, no, that was... I forgot the name of the journalist. Oh, my goodness. Because I remember, I think I sent a screenshot to you guys. I'm not sure. He was Spanish. um, um, Yeah, the Spanish one. And he posted it on... I have to double check, but yeah, definitely he said, I I can't believe the rumors that I've been hearing can't elaborate on it. Like this was just a translation because obviously he posted in Spanish 
And then people started to feed into this. And I think the biggest rumor was not even that Aston Martin is being sold because that's been out since last month. But it was the fact that, well, not the fact, the rumor that Alonso and Perez were going to be swapped, that Perez will go to Aston Martin and that Alonso will go to Red Bull. And I thought that that was just ridiculous. I was like, driver swap? Is that even a thing? Or has this, well, has this happened in that sense before where Red Bull would just say, go to Aston Martin and we'll take the Aston Martin driver? Because I think Red Bull has a roster of good enough drivers that could replace Perez if needed be. And that was just... and it was just rumors that people fed into. I think it was just the excitement that in an established Formula One journalist said something like that, and that it just caused frenzy. Yeah, it, it ended up becoming. Mm. Uh, he, he's oh, sorry, you continue. Yeah, it, it ended up becoming kind of viral that everybody came out and said, "I've just heard the rumor," and oh my god, I can't see anything, and it kind of took the rip a wee bit when that the journalist came out and said what he said if you can't elaborate don't say it because once it gets on the social media it's just it grows arms and legs and the next thing so everything's happening it's it's a bit silly what were you going to say there hamish oh, i can't remember yeah, no he, he spoke to media in press conference saying that these the people making these rumors they were going to have to face consequences so he was, he was searching for vengeance in a way so mm-hmm. he seemed very fired up by, by the comments so he wasn't happy, but I mean, if that you know, fired him up to get third, then let's spread more rumours and hope he can do better the rest of the season. If I was Hampton, I'd almost be looking backwards, not forwards after this weekend. Wondering if Holland's going to catch me in the championship rather than me catching Perez. Well, we'll, we'll be touching on uh, Mercedes soon, and if the way if the car drives the way they did at Brazil, then yeah, I would be looking backwards. Uh, who right? Who was next? Who came fourth? Perez. Let's go into Perez. So. Where the hell has he been hiding that all season? Uh, Kiara. Uh, I have they... no idea where that came from. No, he like, was he was my man possessed, didn't he? He was a brilliant. That's what we were saying. Like the whole entire time where we saw Perez drive like that, my whole group chat was exploding and they were like, where has he been all this time? Like, what did he eat this morning to make him perform like that? I didn't helmet give him like a beating or something. <laughs> but... If, if actually this was really funny Helmut was interviewed before the race right and they asked him like Ralph Schumacher was in Brazil this time and he asked him so Helmut who do you think was going to be on the podium with Max since he's been really dominant and Helmut said Hamilton and Lando he did not mention Perez at all but honestly oh. Perez he was he was putting up a fight for one good second towards the end I thought he was going to get the podium Hamish hey, hey, what do you think? Talking about a man driving possessed, getting rid of what happened at Mexico, could uh, unreal. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to be a bit negative, Nancy. I think I think he was good, but I think if Mercedes were quicker, he wouldn't have finished in front of them. I think he got a bit lucky in the sense that Mercedes was slow, and then what you see, signs uh, Friday seems to be no one race pace, and then really all that's left behind him is Stroll, and he should be beating at least one Aston Martin. And I would argue he should have been he should have been Alonso in the pace that Red Bull had today. So I think it was an improvement, no doubt. But he's still not achieved a podium since Italy, if I'm correct. So there's right, still work yeah. to be done there. But he's it's an improvement and it's a step forward. And I think he's protected himself from Hamilton, which is all he needs to do, I guess, on a level. He can secure seconds next weekend in Las Vegas. So he's he's done well to do that, but I, 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 there's still room for improvement. I'd give him like a, a B plus if this was a school school report. But 
going by Perez's season, B plus is probably pretty good to be honest. Yeah, um, I mean, he was. I would say it was an F in, and I mean, it's kind of why I think it was an F in Mexico. Despite Horner not blaming him, he still crashed in turn one. And I think he retired in Qatar in the sprint race and then twice in Japan. So, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a big improvement. It, it definitely was. And it's a shame that he couldn't get on the podium. That would be really good for his confidence. And as Kiara mentioned, to give a stick up a couple of fingers to Helmut after his interview which I'm sure he probably found out about it at some point. Who was next? Let me just get up the thing. So after that, we've got Carlos Sainz, the sole remaining uh, Ferrari. I'll be honest, don't really remember much about what he did. I think maybe that was more focused on Norris and then the Alonso Perez battle. But Chiara, you've got your head in your hands for anyone listening to podcasts. You're looking a bit shocked. I'll go to you. Well, it's no secret that I'm a Ferrari fan. So although I'm not... Although I'm not a fan of Charles Leclerc, I mean, he's a great driver, I think, but he he's lacking his potential or really hasn't tapped into that this time. I am a Carlos Sainz fan. And honestly, I knew coming into this weekend that Interlagos isn't going to be the circuit for Ferrari. I knew that although Charles got P2 in qualifying, I knew that that wasn't going to last. That was too good to be true. And lo and behold, what happens Charles is out and Carlos is having issues. I don't know if both of you heard the comment that Carlos said on the radio and he was like, as soon as we get back to Maranello, I want this clutch to be chucked in the bin. Yeah. And that was really funny. And I was like, as soon as he said that, I knew that it was not going to be a pretty race to watch. And that's just, to me, it's quite frustrating because Ferrari this season isn't really where they want to be. They've had great races but it's always been hit or miss this season and we're all just waiting for something to happen every race, like even in the pit stops. I'm still traumatised from Sandford. I think you're just genuinely traumatised as a Ferrari fan. Um... That is true as well. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to get like wine out and I was like, all of my friends were like, okay, we have to have a glass of wine now because this is all too much with all the, the DNFs and DNS from Charles Leclerc and now Carlos is having his issues. Okay, before I, I move mean, on, to... that... oh, go on. I was just going to say the fact that Daniel Ricciardo overtook Carlos during the sprint race was that for a good second. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. that showed what was going to happen today. Yes, yes. Before I move on to Hamish, I want to ask you a quick question. As a Ferrari fan, where would you think, what team do you think could get the best out of Carlos and Leclerc if it wasn't Ferrari? environment in, in the paddock and as a team do you think would suit them? Well, that is a very interesting question. I've never been asked that before. That's a good one. Well, I think with Carlos, I think I think McLaren would still be a good fit for him. I think he and Lando get along very well and they have this great shared energy which I think would bring always brings fresh motivation into the McLaren team. So I, I wish Carlos would have stayed in McLaren a bit longer, but obviously as soon as Ferrari came along, that opportunity had to be taken. Yeah. Charles is a bit more difficult for me. Honestly, I kept on thinking Mercedes, but with how Mercedes is right now, I highly doubt that. If I, if I'm being honest, I feel like Charles still was doing a better job at Sauber than he is doing at Ferrari right now. Like back in the day. Yeah, he did open a few eyes when he was in Salva, which ultimately got him the job. But, uh, Hamish, what do you think, before I ask you about uh, Carlos, what do you think would be a good fit 
with a Ferrari drivers if they had to leave. Uh, I, I I agree with Carlos and uh, McLaren. I think he kind of. I think Carlos is one of the best midfield drivers on the grid, which sounds really weird. But whenever you stick him in the in the midfield, he performs really well. I think when he was in McLaren, he was kind of the perfect driver for that team at the time. And I think they really helped him. And I think when he went to Ferrari, it was a bit like a small fish in a big pond. Mm. I feel that still sometimes. I feel like he's not quite... Ferrari can be a bit overwhelming for him. With Leclerc, I find it difficult because although Ferrari really struggles with Leclerc, I can't see that man in any other race suit. It's a, it's a, For me, it's a, it's a passionate relationship between the two of absolute anger when they fail but it's very loving feeling for for the team i can't i can never see him not in red but i feel that honestly if alonso or strauss go he might do quite well last and martin if really? alonso to leave they'll need i think they'll need a lead driver and if they keep the pace going in two years who knows where they can be and i do i do believe they probably could beat ferrari if at the pace they're going and it might be a good fit because they'll be looking for someone to fill shoes at some point but yeah, I can't see Mercedes. Red Bull is filled by Max. He's not going there. And anywhere else, I feel like you're looking down the grid rather than up. So it's the issue with the the modern Formula One, which is a lot. once you're in those top three teams, the only place you can go is down. So you might as well stick at what you got rather than twisting. So, yeah. What were you gonna but say then I'll throw a question. I, I was going to say, I'm going to throw a question at both, both of you. Who do you see in the Ferrari besides Charles and Carlos right now? At the moment, anyone with no soul because it's too hurtful. So <laughs> Lance. Well, probably. <laughs> uh, oh. I wouldn't put Robert Schwartzman in because that yeah, that would just drive him out of any kind of career in Formula One if you're a rookie in those cars. The, the biggest problem I have is Charles Leclerc is such a frustrating driver because he has those very slight glimpses of brilliance. And then you have France a couple of years ago when he's in the lead and bins it uh, for no reason other than he just declared it uh, and then you've the other side of it you've got the Ferrari strategy I still mm. didn't I still don't think that Ferrari should have put all their eggs in one basket and given him such a long term contract because uh, I don't really see what he's done to justify it uh, the only yes. two people on the track that should get that should get long term contracts is Hamilton when he was at his peak in Verstappen because Look what they're doing. Or look what Hamilton did when he was getting his big contracts. Look at what Verstappen's doing. Red Bull have the money. They banked him. They kept him uh, and made sure everything's around him. Leclerc, I just I just can't see it. I can't see the consistency because at one point, and it's not like it's uh, Michael Schumacher's famous quote was, I usually make a mistake once a year. And I think one year he binned it in Canada, the, the Wall of Champions. And that was when he came out and said, I make one mistake once a year. And you kind of went, yeah, okay. Leclerc, it's one mistake at least one session. Uh, there's something he does. Uh, he's so frustrating. Carlos is doing a really good job at forcing Ferrari not to think that Leclerc is the golden boy. He's just quietly just pushing himself up there to, to make it difficult for Ferrari to make a decision. Uh, and I kind of swing towards science more than Leclerc. And to put proof in the pudding, when I saw Leclerc in the, in the barrier, I automatically assumed it was clear that done that and not a mechanical issue uh, because of the history in the past. So that's where I'm at with it. Where to put him? I think he's right. I can't really offer a different opinion to what you have said. Carlos Sides and, McL- and that McLaren this year would have been an interesting prospect uh, and what they've done over the year. Anyway. Yeah. With, with the contract, I, I purely think it's image. I think in 
in Italy, the only thing above Ferrari is the Pope. And the thing is, you need you need a Messiah in that team. And you need someone for people to believe can bring you that championship. And it's not science. He's just not got the image or enough of the Italian Ferrari nature. So it has to be Leclerc. And I do, yeah, and I, I do believe that he, he's, he, he's, he, he feels very reminiscent of Gilles Villeneuve in the sense that he is monstrously quick and if I honestly think if you're going for one lap and you need to drive in your car all equal machinery I'm kind of putting Leclerc in there right now because over one lap he's so quick mm-hmm. but he drives the wheels off that car being too quick he can't manage the car he France is a good example of that if he had just managed his pace pitted he would have come out behind Verstappen on faster tyres however he had to push the car too far and lost all grip and spun it in the wall because he was trying to push too much if he learned a bit of management it would be a different driver but he's just trying to be too quick and he's he's falling over his own feet in doing so. Yeah, I, there's potential I think, there. Yeah, I think he I think yeah, you're right, because he done that in the qualifying. It was at Miami. He went for a fast yeah. lap, overdrove the car, bend it. <laughs> there's yeah, we're bringing we're bringing PTSD back for Kiara here. We're reliving all these horror stories for a few Ferrari fan. They do apologize. We'll move swiftly on before before Kiara gets too upset and we'll head over to uh, Gasly now. I don't really know what he did. Again, he, he, they they done what they do every race, helping and just either do nothing and don't get any points or they're like sixth or seventh and I don't remember how they got there. Kiara, so we can forget about our sad Ferrari talk. Can you tell me what Gasly did? Because I can't remember. I'm checking my notes right now because I always write notes on the on the race, especially if we're going to do the podcast and I don't have anything from Pierre Gasly. I think I did check his name on the list a couple of times to see where he is and I thought he was okay. He was up there. I think he did a bit better than Ocon this time. Actually, I put Ocon as first to DNF, which did not happen. I think Gasly came out of the whole frenzy chaos quite unscathed i think he was just keeping to himself trying not to make any mistakes just trying to stay alive at this point what about you hamish can you add anything to how gasly got when he got yeah i guess i think again he was a silent driver today he did what he needed to do he he got the kind of points and i find it mad that at some point we were comparing he was going to be fast Alpine and McLaren and now you're on a different scale of things than that McLaren is so much quicker mm-hmm. but he drove really really well and I think he had, he seemed to have brake issues at some point so he seemed to be struggling here and there but I mean he was the better driver of the two Alpines he was really unmessy this weekend and he drove consistently and that's what you can do in that car right now take the yep. opportunities as they come and he did where Ocon couldn't and Ocon kept making mistakes this weekend his, his past in Brazil seems to haunt him every time he comes here it feels with Ocon Oh, yes, that was when he got into the fight with Verstappen. Mm. Yeah, that wasn't Gasly, that was Ocon that done that, that's right. Yeah, yeah he... I mean, I was surprised Alonso wasn't more aggressive towards him because he was, like, to be polite, he was very rude about uh, Alonso acting like it was completely his fault. But Alonso left the room and it was his fault for trying to weave his way out the corner. So I'm surprised Ocon didn't get more fisticuffs this weekend. Speaking of which, Ocon got 10, got a point. I think the only thing I remember from Ocon was that he made that last minute decision to go left rather than right because if he went right he was joining Alpi the Alvin in the barrier at the first spot because he was about to weave to the right and then I think he saw what was about to develop and flung it to the left Ian Usher actually in the comments mentioned that uh, very right call other than that uh, you kind of cleared them up you kind of discussed them there Hamish that he just he, he got a point 
and it's pretty much all you can do. Gasly just had the major problem this weekend and not much really else you can say. Uh, well, I have purposefully skipped over the Mercedes cars because we're going to discuss them all together in a minute. We'll tie up the rest of the top 10. Ninth, Sonoda. Solid drive for that the Alpha Tauri, considering Ricardo got caught up in that. The shenanigans, one lap down, Ricardo couldn't really do much. So it was up to Yuki and Hamish. Anything to say about him? Pretty solid from from what I saw. Yeah, I, th- I think he should have been where Gasly is. So if I'm breaking up, let me know, by the way, because I see a freezing every now and then. But he, yeah, he, he should be where Gasly is, I think. And he made a mistake at one point in the kind of windy bit of the track middle sector. And I felt like he drove a good race, but I felt like he could have done better. Be that strategy or just a lack of pace overall in the car. But yeah, I felt like he drove strong. You can't you can't really argue against it. It just feels like Sonoda always makes a, a few mistakes here and there that cost him overall. I think that's kind of the takeaway, but he's still learning. So yeah. Yeah, uh, should he should he not be still learning? He's a couple of years in the car now. Uh, he should be a wee bit more solid and consistent, I think. What would you would you Yeah. Think? I think he should Yes, I agree. The issue is he's just Honda's golden boy. And he's just that kind of I I honestly feel that Honda Rebel Alpha Towery deal relies on that Honda driver being there. So I think he's pretty solid in that team for the time being, uh, if that Honda relationship continues. And he's, he's had some really good moments this year. I, I wonder if Ricardo was it was hadn't had that first incident, would we have seen some uh, Ricardo on the points not Snowda? But it's hard to say, and it's 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 hard to criticize this race to be honest with you, compared to what he's had in the past. A bit like Perez, in the same way, he's kind of he had a solid race, and yeah, he had a messy one in Mexico, and he's come here, and he he himself said it, but he wasn't as rash he was waiting for, to make the overtakes when he overtook Hamilton in the sprint he was saying that he waited for that opportunity to come to him rather than making the opportunity happen so he's obviously learning and maturing which is really important but he, he can be a bit brash yeah Kiara you were shaking your head when Hamish was talking there what, what you about Yuki uh, yeah uh, I just think Yuki has had enough time to sort of mature and grow into Formula One and I just haven't seen that happen yet I've expected huge turn from him not obviously the Alpha Tauri car is not the best but you can still do so much more with it and if you're going up against Daniel Ricciardo who obviously couldn't do much today you have to perform some sort of miracle or even work on yourself but I just think that Yuki can sometimes get a bit whiny childish sometimes and yeah he is Honda's golden boy and I do you think I'm gonna ask this to both of you if Red Bull did not have that partnership with Honda. Do you think Yuki would still be there? No, no, I don't think so. I think you can name. I think Lawson. So, so my my point, my point exactly. I just don't think he should be there, and I think someone else deserves that seat. I haven't. I just haven't seen anything from Yuki. I mean, today was okay, but you don't want to be an okay driver for the rest of your life. You want to have some sort of legacy, and maybe he should just try something else out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think he would be suited to a WEC drive or something. I don't. He's just he he done his rookie mistakes. We all got a wee bit excited with his driving. It was Bahrain. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, he's in the points! Look how great he is!" And then for most of the rest of the year, all he was doing was going backwards in the Alpatari, uh, or the Toro Rosso, as it was at the time. Uh, yeah, I just don't see. I think Helmut and Christian Horner and the powers that be in Red Bull have killed on him quite a wee while ago, and they just don't really know where to put him or what to do with him, whether whether it is a Honda thing or or what it is. I know we Ford are coming in for twenty twenty six. 
I'd be very surprised if he's still there by 2026, to be honest. I think uh, I think maybe next year it'll be Yuki's swan song, and then it'll be Lawson. I think they'll figure out what to do with Lawson for a year, bring him in once they've got managed to figure out a way to get rid of Yuki. But yeah, I just don't... He should be a more accomplished and more confident, maybe is the wrong word, but he, sh- he should be a lot further on in his development than where he is just now. And he, I think it's, it's just maturity. yeah. He's just not. He's he, he comes across as you. You're right. He comes across quite immature, and he makes mistakes that could seem immature and just a bit silly. As Hamish says, he should have been further up the points, but then he made that silly, silly wobble halfway through the race and put it on the grass and dropped back and had to fight to get further up. And for that point, four or five points, and for Alpha Tauri, that's a big class. They're important points. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not. There's not many drivers I look at and think they probably shouldn't be in Formula One anymore, and he's one of them, unfortunately. Sorry yeah. to any Yuki Sonoda fans out there, it's a bit brutal, but anyway, drive better and it won't be as brutal. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to move on. We've got Logan Sargent, poor old Logan. Guess what he finished? Poor boy, 11th. A so, shame. Oh, 11th. Yeah, uh, I don't really have much to say about Logan. What about you guys? All he had to do was finish. I think. Get someone oh, points. Yeah. <laughs> To be honest, I, I was gonna say the same thing. I, it was it was a good drive from Logan. All he had to do, like Hamish said, was finish. But I think it, I think he improved. Let's put it this way: there is this slight improvement that happened. We saw that he could have come in tenth if he had pushed more. But I think maybe Williams did tell him to like slow down a bit. We don't want any more <laughs> crashes. We don't need to have you date the wall. And I think that's what Logan was working on this week, just finishing the race, trying to make as little mistakes as possible. And I think that went well for him. Yeah, he finished it. He didn't put it in the bin, which I'm surprised, considering the amount of shenanigans. Uh, but if you're that far down the grid, usually shenanigans have already finished. Uh, okay, so before we move on, Logan Sargent, should he be in a Formula 1 car next year? Hamish, what do you think? The question to you, and I'll say, who would you rather have in that car Nicholas Latifi or Logan Sargent, because I feel they keep having the Latifi model in that second seat. And until they break away from that, there's, there's, what's the point of having two cars in that Williams? I think what they should do is, even if it's only a year, put Liam Lawson in the car. Yeah, it's very true. But if you had because... to, Logan Sargent, Nicholas Latifi, yeah, I think. Because on some level, I know Latifi didn't score points either, but he wasn't any better or slower. No, he wasn't. I think he was in there as a pay driver. I, and it shows you where we're at when we're actually discussing who would be better, Logan Sargent or Nicholas Latifi. It's a bad state of affairs for uh, for Williams. It would be even worse if they confirmed him for next year because I don't see what he's done. Uh, Kiara, what about you? Do you think he should be in Formula One? Huh. The more that I think about it, I feel like I... Well, I have a criteria when it comes to this. I think about how much the person is willing to learn and how I think they would develop. And I was comparing Yuki and Logan Sargent with each other quite a bit. I think that Logan could develop into a good driver had he had more time in Formula 2. Maybe he should have stayed there one more season and then move up. But I think if Williams decide to keep him, I think he will improve even more. Because now he's, he's experienced what he experienced now and he'll make the most of it next season. I, so I think Logan is willing to improve, willing to learn from the best or learn from whoever he is. it is he wants to learn from. 
But I do think someone else is going to be more capable with the Williams seat. I think it's just cursed at this point. I mean, they all thought Mick Schumacher was going to replace Logan Sargent at one point. Yeah. Mick Schumacher's F1's career is on. It's done. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And say what you want about Nicholas Tiffy. At least he won a world championship. Not his own, but someone else's. Oh, I wonder if we'll get for a podcast where we don't mention 2021 Abu Dhabi at some point. Had to be done. The opportunity was there. I forgot about that for one second. Thank you for reminding me. You can't forget it. If you're a Formula 1 fan, you cannot forget Abu Dhabi 2021. But anyway, I think that's that last of the runners was Ricardo and Piastri. Not really much we can say. It's a shame Ricardo looked like he had a bit of pace in the car. I think Amy should touched on it earlier on in the pod. Uh, Piastri, innocent bystanders. We just it was a test session for them, getting some laps under their belt. Uh, we will dis- the non the non finishers. Well, before we go on to George Russell, because I like to talk about him. Both of the Al- Alfa Romeos retired for a similar engine issue. I think that's what they said. They were quite vague what they said to Ted Kravitz during the race, but there was some issue. It was a similar one to each of them. Uh, as we know, Leclerc didn't start. Albon Magnussen got caught out at the start of the first start. George Russell, my pal, the man is just becoming a bit of a whiny bitch. Anyway, so, <laughs> Kiara, what do we want to say about George Russell? He needs to concentrate more. He needs to quit whining. And we know that he can drive. He's done, he's gotten some brilliant results. He's also driven from the very bottom of the grid all the way up to P4 at one point. We know that he can do it, but he just needs to shut up and get his head in the game and do what he needs to do. If he yep. keeps on whining, I don't, I'm going to have to turn off the commentary or just turn off the volume in general on my TV. Yep. It's getting embarrassing at this point. It, it... It's within the first half a lap. We're going to work as a team, man. Uh, Hamish, what about you? What do you think? You guys, you guys are bullies. Just <laughs> George, he's just trying. So you're a Russell fan, then? I'm not a Russell fan, but I'll tell you this: he was quicker than Hamilton this weekend, and I felt I felt frustrated for him that Mercedes aren't able just to say to Lewis, "Look, Russell is faster. We're having a really hard weekend here. Let him through, and we'll see what he can do." Because they were both slow. But Russell was stuck in his ass for a good few laps. And in that time, you had several cars catch up and overtake both of them. And I feel I feel for Russell, half this whining comes from frustration that he's finally made it to a quick team. But he's still on that, that second step. He, he can't, he's not seen as equal in that team, I don't think. I mean, I get why Hamilton seems better. He's seven-time world champion. He, he's one of the greatest of all time. But I think it must be really frustrating for Russell right now because this is probably, uh, you had Japan this year, where he was kind of sacrificed as well. There was another race as well, wasn't there, where they were fighting really close and kind of Mercedes favoured Hamilton. So I've, I I, kind of, yeah, he whines a lot. And I understand to an extent, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like you guys are being quite mean. So I'm going to stand We up. never said he was a bad driver. Not we're that. just saying he needs to shut up. Uh, I'm yeah. offering this man sympathy. He, yeah, I agree. If, if I was him, I would make my message very clear, which is I'm faster than Hamilton, let me through. He just needed to say that, but he never actually said that which says to me the inner politics of Mercedes right now is very complicated. I need to get that sorted because he doesn't feel safe simply just saying I'm quicker, like Carlos can say about us, you know. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I think I think that's what I'll leave that with. What I didn't like was when he said, look, 
let's work together. I won't attack Hamilton. Then about three laps later, then moaned because they weren't working as a team. Like, you just said you weren't going to attack. Like, mm-hmm. And then in Japan, he chose the one-stop strategy, yeah. which was the wrong one. Then moaned when the team wouldn't allow, wouldn't tell, wouldn't tell Hamilton to slow down to do the DRS thing. Like he was two seconds a lap slower at the end up. It's on you. Don't blame the team. In other words, yeah. just stop whining and get on with it. Uh, it was a shame. I was uh, so upset when he retired. Honestly, uh, it meant I don't need to mute the telly whenever his radio comes on. Uh, but yeah, but uh, we'll talk about the uh, Mercedes altogether. Uh, that car was a tractor. I don't know. What went on? It seemed to be at the start, like, oh, might have a wee bit of a fight. And then they went back the way and people were passing them left, right and centre. Gasly got them. Uh, I'm sure he got passed by a few others that the the Mercedes cars, like these cars should have no right passing a Mercedes. Uh, but whether I think from what I, under, what I could tell that the car just chewed up the tyres and it just the balance was wrong or I don't know what they did, but it wasn't. It just didn't work. Kiara, what did you make of the Mercedes in general? What was going on there? What do you think? It was such a shame. I honestly thought Lewis would have this one in the bag. I was very excited at the start of the race until I realized that there was something horrible going wrong. And I think, like you said, the setup of the car was just, it was just not made for Interlagos this time. And which is such a shame considering last season's results were really good. And I think Toto actually agreed with this. He even admitted it that they're just not going to do as well as they hoped this weekend. And I think they need to work on their consistency. They do. They need to build a better car. It is really what it is. But let's hope that whatever they've decided to do for next year works. Hamish, what do you think? What was your takeaway from Mercedes this weekend? Oh, Interlagos is famous just a hard track for so many reasons, and I think one of the reasons is you have really you have a lot of turns, so downforce can be something you really need to to stay on track. But at the same time, you have really long straights, like like the one that goes around to the main straight. So you're kind of fighting that, and I think they just got the downforce to kind of straight line speed ratio wrong. They seem to be quite quick in the middle sector, and then just lose it all in the straight. Um, and also, I I just simply think where Aston Martin nailed the setup in FP1, Mercedes needed another practice session to nail that car, and they just didn't have it. And you can criticise the the format and if Park Fermi should change and all these things, but it brought an element of excitement today because you have Mercedes, a team usually doing quite well struggling. So I think it was kind of a point towards the format right now, in a sense, you have to get your car right in that hour, otherwise you will fail. I think it's a blip. I don't see this continuing on. But yeah, they whatever they did to that car, just chewed up those tyres and spat it back out. And they'll look at that. I, I was sat there thinking in the sprint it was going to be Ferrari. I was waiting for them to fade. When I saw Hamilton behind one of them, I think it was signed. I was like, I'll give him a few laps and I'll catch him. It was just it just took me by surprise because it's 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 not what we expect from that car this season. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. I, I'm very surprised that Mercedes decided to do an impression of the Haas cars. You would think they would try and do an impression of the Red Bulls. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the only person we never touched on was the remaining Haas, but I think he'd done a very good impression of the Alpines, to be honest. I don't... He finished 12th. He was behind Logan Sargent, so that's pretty much enough said. He was... <laughs> I think there was some damage going on there from the contact in the original lap. Yeah, we're going to go with damage because you could beat by Sargent. So you must have had the damage car. <laughs> 
there's not really <laughs> there's not really any other stories. Actually, there's one thing I wanted to touch on because you mentioned the format of this weekend, and during the weekend, I saw something online where Total Wolf told Sky Sports potential tweaks for the sprint weekend. Uh, during sprint, is the sprint shootout set to move to Friday afternoon? Sprint then moves to Saturday morning with qualifying in the Saturday afternoon in its usual slot before the breaks. I'm getting a bit fed up with the sprints. I think it kind of had a good, it was a good idea, but the last couple have been a bit, yeah, they haven't really done anything. Uh, I know we've had a talk in our own group chats about, I think, Tiller, the Lord and Saviour, that, that, that is Tiller, has, has said that he did like it when it, I think it was you as well, Kiara, did like the fact that it set pole and stuff like that. But there was a, there was a connection to the actual Grand Prix. I was never a fan. I'm a purist. I've watched Formula One since 1992. I like I like racing. I don't like reverse grids and gimmicky stuff. But then I've got to watch Formula One with DRS, which is probably the biggest gimmick they've got anyway. So, Kiara, how would you solve and fix F1 Sprint? What would you do? I like the idea with the reverse grid. I think that that would make it much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but... I have to say that I kind of side with Max Verstappen's opinion on this one, that it should not, that it's just completely useless and it's not the same. It just doesn't give you the same feeling as it would give you on a normal race weekend where free practice is going to happen. Let's see that. Now we've got qualifying on Saturday. Now we've got the sprint race on the Saturday and then you kind of see what happens there and you kind of get an idea what's going to happen on Sunday. And that kind of takes the excitement away. I mean, yeah, sure, lots of people enjoy this format. I'm not going to say that. There are some positives and negatives to this, but some, I don't know, the fact that they're a bit connected is just, it's kind of weird. Hamish, what do you think? In regards to Toto's suggestions, I think they're better. I think purely because it separates them. I think I would prefer if I had the choice to watch kind of one or the other. I find the Friday evening thing a bit odd, especially for qualifying. So I, I prefer his format. For me, sprints are making this old championship can help. Stops a weird winning championship on Saturday situation we saw this year. So I, I don't mind that. I'm not, I, I feel with F1, what they're trying to do is make it more and more racing, trying to trying to saturate our weekends with more excitement. But there, there's a limit of oversaturation. I think there's too much going on. I think the issue of Formula One, which you'll always have, which is it's an expensive event. They want to make money. And while in football, you can pay 20 to 50 quid for a ticket. For F1, you're paying upwards of 150 beyond. So you need to make it worthwhile, the, the, the spectators' money. And how do you do that? More racing, more events, more things on track. So I think if you're at track, sprints are amazing. But I know for a lot of people sat at home, it is too much for the average viewer, I find on a sprint weekend, my weekend is pretty much gone if I want to see everything because I have, I find myself having to time like my evening or my day by what's going on on track. And suddenly it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my weekend quite quickly. So yeah, there's definitely a way to manage it. And I, f- I feel like if you separate the two, maybe you can choose if you want to watch a sprint, you can not be bothered by a sprint championship and just focus on one you can you can take a choice but yeah maybe i'm being a bit too picky trying to make it trying to choose what i want i think uh, part of the reason why formula one are looking to make some major changes not just tweaks is that ticket sales for sprint weekends aren't actually going up the way they want they've actually seen a dip in the people going to the sprint weekends 
And the whole point was, as you say, if there's more racing than the, the revenue got, because let's face it, Formula One are really doing this because they want to make money. It's, yeah. a, it's a revenue stream, and it's not doing what they want it to do. They'll say it's to do with entertainment. It's not, because the, the whole idea of Sprint was to make Friday worthwhile or make it a reason to do it. All it does is make it a reason to add £200 a ticket rather than it being 60 quid to come in on Friday, get into the grandstand for free, especially at Silverstone, watch a couple of sessions of practice, enjoy what's going on around the weekend, around the around the track. Uh, there was something else I was going to say, and I've, it's been out of my head. Oh, aye, that was it. Karun Chandok did actually tweet, make the sprint a separate championship and put the reserve drivers in. I saw that, yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. So every be, team would have yeah. the reserve drivers... It would be their own thing. Now, would it be like Formula 2.1 or would it be Formula 1.5? But it would be different. And then they would get rid of that thing of the obligatory two FP1 sessions because they're racing. Now, that could be worth something. Would it be, would would, it, would the teams go for it? Probably not. Just, oh, yeah, well, that's the other side of it. Yeah, they're yeah, going to need to up that cost cap by quite a bit. Yeah, because uh, that's going to get there's going to be some problems, and I'm sure the drivers will be like, I am not giving my car to him. So, yeah, I don't think it would pass. It's an interesting idea, I just don't see it. It could be expensive, that's true, because they're still technically they're rookies then, and that could be expensive if someone crashes. But yeah, I have to agree with what Hamish said that you have to plan your day around the sprints. Funny enough, I was on my way home from work yesterday and because I was speeding to get home to see the sprint race, the camera got me. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> did you hit, did it flash or did you just... Did it, did it, it flash. Oh, <laughs> the picture is going to be horrible because I looked so confused. Damn. Oh, no. So you're waiting for the envelope to drop in the post. It's not even going to come into my post. It's going to go to my grandparents. Oh, so. oh no. It's going to be a lovely surprise because this is the, it's going to be the third time this, <gasps> like, past few two months. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, dear. How much is that? Good question. Well, I think this is just going to be around, like, 25 pounds because it wasn't by much. I'm actually surprised that I got caught with that one considering i was not that much over the speed limit i'm not sure what happened there but yeah the most expensive one i had was at sandford i have to say because that i wasn't really paying attention to what happened and there was no flash in that one that was one of those surprise cameras that's hidden somewhere that doesn't flash but yes yeah yesterday i was very confused after that i think i was just delirious after work racing home to see the sprints the Formula One, you're causing Kiara to speed and get fined. <laughs> Sprint is hazardous <laughs> to people's health. <laughs> Terrible stuff. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, please drive responsibly uh, and plan your day accordingly. So you don't have to speed. Don't to get back be like me. Uh, do not be um, like Kiara. No. Uh, <laughs> be like Lewis Hamilton and hire someone to drive for you or use the bus. Anyway. Uh, I don't think there's been much else since that. I'm going to give a quick shout out to the people that have commented. We have touched. I did read their comments. We have touched on all of them. I will give a shout out to Michael Brooks. Hello, Michael. He said, come on, Lando Norris. Whoop, whoop. I think a lot of McLaren fans were saying that and have been for most of the year. And our resident stalker, Ian Usher, he did laugh at that comment, by the way. So he, he found it funny. He did talk about the start and Ocon. Uh, 
going left and zigged instead of zagged, which meant he actually finished the race and didn't end up in the wall. So thanks, guys, for making the comment. I don't think there's many much fallout from the race, to be honest. We haven't had any kind of issues. Oh, FIA have made a comment about the track invasion. Now, as I commented, I watched the last few laps in the radio, or listened to it in the radio, apologies. Uh, so what did the FIA? The FIA has ruled that the organisers of the 2023 Brazilian Grand Prix created an unacceptable situation by enabling the Formula 1 track invasion that could have resulted in disastrous consequences. I'm assuming people got on the track before the race had officially finished. Uh, did any of you uh, guys see that or hear about that? I mean, I've got autosport up here, so I'll just get my phone's a one percent. So if it dies, we'll get half a comment on it. But apparently, third <laughs> uh, turn one during the checker flag lap, while cars were still on track, although there were no injuries, the stewards summoned race officials due to serious safety concerns. Uh, there was agreed time at which gates opened to allow fans on the track. Autosport understands that into Lagos, people climbed over the fences while the circuit was still classed as alive, and the FAA reviewed CCTV, CCTV evidence and ruled that any measures were not enforced and slash or were not sufficient, resulting in an unsafe environment. So it, it sounds a bit like a Baku in the sense that there was no monitoring of people on track could have resulted in incident, which is always a shame to hear. Yeah, it's not good. So that's going to be some conversations with the Sao Paulo organisers. I've got the same article up there. Yeah, they didn't. They admitted the pairs in terms of security. So yeah, glad that there wasn't something worse with those cars. I mean, they're two metres wide by good, well, a lot longer than that, but at least two metres wide anyway. I totally went blank at how long they are. So they're, they're big, hefty machines, and even on the cooldown laps, they can do some damage. So, Kiara, uh, did you see anything you want to mention before we wrap this up? Nope, I think both of you said exactly what just popped up on my phone. Yeah, okay. Total Will says here, the South Paulo performance for the worst weekend in 30, I'm exactly. going to say 13 years. Yeah, we couldn't agree more on total. Uh, okay, I think that's us. Uh, Tuesday, we will be back on Tuesday. If there's any news to discuss from the fallout of the Brazilian Grand Prix, there'll be no podcast next Sunday because there isn't a race. Uh, uh, the next race is the all-singing, all-dancing Las Vegas Grand Prix, uh, which I think... Oh, Kiara's dancing, if you can't see on the podcast, because she's going. Uh, whoop, whoop. I, whoop, whoop. She's going for the company. Just says everything F1 correspondent heading straight to the track at Las Vegas for us. That's that's yeah, totally. But we we probably legally are not allowed to say that. I'm not legally allowed to say that for sure. McLaren might do my head in for that one. Yes, yes, she's not going because of us. We're not that important in the world of Formula One as yet. Uh, so yes, in eleven days' time, we are going to Las Vegas, uh, UK. It's going to be an early morning start, not this nice comfortable evenings. Uh, race starts at 6 in the morning, qualifying 8 in the morning till 9, practices half four to half five, 8 till 9 and half four to half five uh, over the course of, it's Thanksgiving they're doing it, isn't it, in America? Is it Thanksgiving? Oh. Is it? I'm not sure. I'm not too know. sure in American holidays. Uh, I, I heard something about it being Thanksgiving. I might be wrong, uh, but they're, they're racing in Las Vegas. Uh, and going by what I've heard, they're talking more. It it seems to be more an event with a race and part of it rather than the race. Uh, yeah, okay. It's a bit. It's going to be something else. If you thought Miami was mental, oh dear God. So anyway, we'll we'll leave that one. That will be previewed not next Tuesday, not Tuesday coming, but the following Tuesday we'll have a preview for that race, and then on. 
the Sunday of the Las Vegas Grand Prix, we'll have a chat about how that all went. Hopefully it was something more exciting than we've had in other street circuits, especially new ones. So it, all, all it takes for me now is to say cheerio to Kiaras. Cheerio and goodbye. Thank you. And thank you for coming again, Hamish. It was lovely to see you and thanks for coming along. No problem. Thank you for, the, uh, for bringing your Scottish accent. It's always lovely to hear. It is good. And you can now go away with your minions and try and take over the world. <laughs> 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 F1 podcast. Before you go, one more shout out to raceworks.com. I use the code EverythingF1 for 10% off uh, everything on their site. They have met everyone on the grid. Uh, my name was Jamie Cooks Cooper. Good night and goodbye.